back. 50, 50, 50. Wow. 50 yard line. We did it. Sports. Uh, <laughs> wow. 50 of these, really? Yeah. And you, listener, listened to every single Man, one. Man, if you did, you are a damn fool. Uh, Max, I, just a spoiler so people will listen to the end. Uh, at the end, we're going to play a fun little trivia game where I'm going to ask you about all the statistics that you never look at. Um, but oh, before good. we do, I want to, I'll do one right off the bat. Um, how many downloads do you think we've had? Whole, all 49 episodes. Um, I'm gonna say like 20 mil. Um, a little, little under. Little, little under. under. Projections for this year, this, uh, Okay, all episodes, episode total downloads. Yes. I'm going to say 1,322. Not quite. We are at <laughs> 46 downloads. 762. Wow. Which still is very impressive for this thing we do. It's yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Like, yeah. <laughs> this is a thing, like, I'll mention offhandedly to my parents that I do a podcast. They're like, okay. That's yep. it. There's no further questioning. And I'm like, that's fair. Yep. Especially when I get into what it's about. Laura Dern exclusively. <laughs> oh, wow. So, there's a lot going on. And there's like one listener who's downloaded like 600 episodes. <laughs> you are our super fan. Yes. Write in, let us know. I mean... And Nick will send you something. Of date, I know, personally know of like one person who has is online to listen to every episode. Also probably Neil... Maybe Mike Brolin. <laughs> Can we say our listeners' names? Ah, whatever. This is a oh, HIPAA violation. By the way, when are you actually moving? Max is moving. This is the last day in our studio where I'm we... I'm not telling them when I'm moving. I don't want the fans badgering me in my new home. No, no, no. I, what is the date you are moving? Like, when will you physically leave this address? July 1st, 2021. Okay. What's the date now? Today's this, July 20th. This will drop Monday. So do you want to tell people your old address so they can come trash this place? Let's, let's yep, burn it down. 1506 Swain Street. <laughs> that's that's right. I wish I had looked at the address and knew it off the top of my head. But. Just wait a couple days if you're listening to this fresh. And then go throw eggs at it. You ever egg someone's house, Nicholas? Yeah, actually, um, I where I just moved out of, we had very um, loud, obtrusive college boy neighbors, and one day they were being particularly loud, and I got upset, and it was snowing, and I just grabbed a carton of eggs and went outside and egged their house, and it was kind of lost on them, because they're in college and they don't care. I don't even think they noticed, to be honest with you. But you know, easy come, easy go. Probably um, felt good. Yeah. So, uh, sorry about that little jump cut there. I was on hold with Ikea because life is terrible. They didn't know about the jump cut, Nick. I jumped uh, back n- in no, perfectly. I'm, I'm going to work this into a bit. Um, I just moved, and things are going uh, in a challenging direction. I'd say I feel like um, like a zoo animal that Disney adopted, and now they live in like the really nice Disney zoo. Like, I'm stressed because I changed environment, but I know it's going to be better in the end. It's still like, prison. I have, like, a new... Shut up. <laughs> I have, like, a new leaking washer. I My Ikea delivery was just stolen by somebody. One of my neighbors. Nice. Uh, but yeah, you know, it's going to get better. And uh, I'm excited. Get real close to your neighbors. Yeah, I'm going to slowly find out who did it and systematically fall, destroy them. Make them fall in love with you. I will. Invite them in and then just run out with your... Uh, <laughs> what was it? It, a coffee table? it was a very large dresser and a um, curio cabinet. 
I guess someone really needed it. I shouldn't be mad at them. I should be mad at Ikea for just giving my stuff to some rando on the street. But, you know, I think everyone's at fault. Yeah. Anyway. Where will um, the curios go? Where will they? I have a whole bag of bones that's just sitting in my dining room. Um, so let's, let's lighten the mood with a, a fun joke. Um, Please. <laughs> where does a, where does a, a vampire, a suburb, excuse me, a urban vampire on the go eat his dinner? Help me out. It is Bram Stoker's Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. <laughs> and that's funny because steaks and vampires. <laughs> well, they don't. They don't like them. Well, yeah, but, you know, that's the joke. They eat there. Is they it spelled S T A K E? I guess it would be. Yeah. Bram, is it Bram's Stokers? Bram's Stokers, Ruth's Chris Steak. <laughs> I'm gonna get a little into vampires later, but I promise Ooh. it will be less insufferable. Than that <laughs> less terrible than that whole thing. Um, real quick, Dern news. Uh, Smooth Talk just got a Criterion release. Yeah! Really cool. Fuck Apparently yeah. there's a bunch of cool Dern interviews, so I might try to find that and do a little watch and talk about it next time, or later, or never. Um, and, uh, there's an article I didn't read, but apparently Laura Dern mastered Boho Chic this week, so good for her. <laughs> she She's mastering Boho Chic instead of hawking snake oil, no, which I appreciate. No, there's a quarantine hobby. <laughs> <laughs> mastering boho chic. You could have learned shi- Mandarin, but instead you decided to master boho chic. What are you gonna do? Alrighty, um, I guess that's pretty much all my all my dumb starting bullshit. If you want to do your dumb secondary bullshit, yeah, uh, I'm also moving. It also sucks, but yeah. no one's stolen anything yet, so that's yet. cool. Um. That's all I got. I'll save the rest for between the derns. Yeah, you gotta, gotta have a little thing in between your derns. Alrighty, well. Or a medium-sized thing, yeah, depending on yeah, the it's not the it's not the size of the ship, it's the motion of the ocean. Yeah, we all know that phrase. Yeah. It's, it's about, both. It's about your wiener. It's both. Your, your dongle. Your crank. <laughs> I think crank's my favorite. Crank? Crank. Donger is fun, but Crank is my favorite one to just throw out there. Because I feel like everyone will laugh. Like, Crank gets most people. Unless it, the, unless it is the most prudish librarian, I think Crank will at least get a, a smirk. Uh, I don't have any particularly favorite nicknames for the Shaft. Yes. But the, the cojones? Plums. Plums all day. I used to if know... If you're not saying plums, listener, say plums. I used to know a guy, and I, I wish I remembered the whole joke, but he, he had different musician names for both balls and his dong, and he said, and if you're lucky, tonight you can meet the whole band. And <laughs> I, I should contact him and find out the joke, because I remember it just being the funniest thing. Yeah, we'll get him on the pod. Yeah, he works at Sam's do, Club still his... in Easton, so I'm sure I can find him. We'll get Timmy Sam's Club to uh, do the... Timmy uh, Sam's Club. The balls and shaft bit. Ugh, I'd love to see it. Speaking of balls and shaft, what's uh, what was your big turn this week? I'm excited yeah. to hear about. It. I know literally nothing about it, so. Mine was a film from 1988. Yes. And like many lesser-known Dern films from the 80s, you can find it on YouTube. It is called Haunted Summer. And whoa, ooh, candy. 
<laughs> the, Halloween. The Halloween decoration we put at the back of my bar every year. It's like it has a motion sensor and it has a pumpkin face that lights up and it makes a spooky noise and has like three things it says and one of them is just candy. <laughs> and you know when assholes are just coming in and out every thirty seconds, you just hear can- like a whistle, like ooh, and a candy. The owner of the bar ripped it to shreds. <laughs> no, Jimmy, lo- we all love it, but it's definitely a. <laughs> you grow to hate it. It's like it's the it's the beating heart beneath the floorboards, but it's a dumb pumpkin just hanging in the corner. Anyway, so Ooh, haunted summer. Lovely gothic literature reference. Perhaps we Thank should you. continue. Your new roommate just was in Baltimore, land of the raven. Candy, candy, land of candy. <laughs> haunted summer. I thought it was going to be a slasher flick. Because that's what it sounds like. It's not. Mm-hmm. But it is about a very spooky summer. Nice. I love, a, sp- I love a spooky summer. 1860 some odd. <laughs> Something or another. And we begin, uh, we have three people in a carriage. Mm-hmm. They are um, Eric Stoltz. Who you may again not recognize from last. My God. Uh, we'll refer to him heretofore as McFly because he's the OG. Martin. We have Laura Dern. And we have another woman, actress Alice Cridge. So we have these two young women, this young man. They are um, somewhat elegant. They appear to be of the upper classes. The Victorian, Victorian English... They're in a carriage, and the coachman warns them that it's a perilous journey, and it might be dangerous, and the carriage could fall off a cliff. Hmm. And McFly's like, yeah, I believe in you. Which gets it, like, sort of the carefree, he's got his arms around these two gals. He he has a puffy jacket on, and he puts his shades down to the tip of his nose, and he says, you're telling me this carriage is a time machine? (laughs) Doc. There is a dock. We'll get there. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And they get to their, some stop on this carriage journey. And Stoltz and Nondern are canoodling in bed, Ooh. kissing a bit. Oh, my word. And it's all kind of light and breezy. And then the door kicks open and there's a thunderclap. And Dern comes storming in, screaming. Ants are crawling all over my body. I can feel them tearing at my face. Nice. Whoa. Okay. What what is this fucking movie? Spicy. And they invite them into bed like a kid who had a nightmare. But then it just turns sexy. What? Stroking each other. Uh, Okay. And McFly's like alternating between kissing one and the other. Um, they get to their next stop and we get Stoltz is naked in a waterfall and he's like giggling like Lord Windermere from my favorite Saturday Night Live clip. Go watch it. That is a good one. <laughs> and we get some full frontal. Good, good. Big bush. Big Victorian yeah, dark gotta. bush. Now, do you think he grew the bush for this role? Do you think I, it was yes. a merkin or do you think he just had it? I think he grew it for the role. Okay. I think he wanted, I think he knew that he was, had been viewed as sort of a, a juvenile, a child actor, and this was his break into adult acting 
And so he was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to, he, he put some castor oil on there. Oh my God. Really stimulate the growth. Jesus. And, uh, yeah, that's what I thought. What do you think? Yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah you got to commit to the bit. He had you got to be willing to change here. your appearance for the role. Then they get to like some villa restaurant with like fancy people. Fancy. At, like a chateau. Chateau Marmont, perhaps. May mayhap, and oh, and they're in France somewhere, ah, so even more appropriate, and <laughs> and further, just like dandyish, like giggler, <laughs> Stoltz. It's like this stuffy restaurant. Stoltz has a pea shooter, oh and he's just shooting peas at people. There's like this waiter with like. With like a, looks like a John Adams, like, he's got the powdered wig, he's very proper, holding, like, a tray, Stoltz just hits him, and he, like, falls and tumbles and drops, like, a silver serving oh tray. <laughs> you don't see enough slapstick in Victorian era yeah. pieces. I love that. It was wonderful. And then, what apparently is a fancier coach pulls up, and, like, I don't know what makes it fancier than the rest. But the three of them are watching, and Stoltz is like, this, this is what, look at this coach, this is what we've come here for. It belongs to, of course, his satanic majesty, as he is referred, Lord Byron. Well, well that was disappointing, I thought you were going to say a Alistair Crowley or some shit. This is the 1800s. Oh, you're right. Well... Lord Byron was the OG, man. I thought Lord Byron... Wasn't he just a writer? Wait. Yeah, let's get a little bit into... Oh, I'm thinking of Tennyson. Never mind. He, he was a writer. Well, yeah. I think he, I, I was well, thinking of a specific greatest, um, piece. Perhaps the greatest romantic poet. Ah, oh, yes. Um, and, yeah, we'll get in... Romantic I'll, I'll for I'll weave in some of the real here, because yeah. this is all based on a real summer and a fascinating... Kind of more fascinating than this movie is. Yeah. Uh, Lord Byron, one of the most esteemed poets um, from from England at this time, is now living in exile in France because he got um, he had a scandalous divorce oh. because he fathered a child with I want to say his sister. That's rough. Yeah, and had like lots of debts. And he's like, ah, screw this, I'm going to France. <laughs> now, which do you think was the, the straw on the camel's back? The incest baby or the debts? The debts? Yeah. yeah. You could you could live with a secret kid. But... Yeah, absolutely. Well, there, we'll Oh get... my god, and you know what? I bet that kid looked like Rocky Dennis. <laughs> His parents were siblings. Ah, full circle. Lord Byron, as we'll get into a little bit later, also, he was a bit of a... He had his own deformity. He had a club foot. Cool. Just and that like didn't King stop Tuck. him from boning everybody. It actually helps you. It gives you a better better, better <laughs> sticking point. <laughs> like a fulcrum. Nope. Oh my god. Like a trebuchet, that man. <laughs> slinging that dick around. And with Lord Byron, so Lord Byron comes out. It's an actor named Philip Anglum. He's very proper. He's a handsome man. Uh, he's got a big black cape because he's a lord. <laughs> yeah, of course. Rules. <laughs> and with him is 
Dr. John William Polidori. His doctor and companion, as he refers to him. Companion. Uh, played up by none other than not Keanu from Bill and Ted. Ah, of yes. Course, Alex Winter, and we will refer to him heretofore as Bill S. Preston. Doctor Bill S. Preston Esquire. <laughs> and so they come in. Byron sees Dern, and he's pissed. <laughs> <laughs> and he says. Should have never told you where I'd be staying. And we get that they were perhaps lovers. Mm. And Dern is enchanted by the Lord. And he's like, whatever. We fucked a little bit in London and that's it. I want nothing to do with you. And hey, fair. But then it cuts to the next scene and she's in his room and they're singing body songs with lines like... Bring me your battering ram and bang it away in my gateway. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Oh, this <laughs> movie, if you thought that, like, Victorians are, like, proper and, like, sex was something, you know, you didn't, maybe perhaps in poor taste to bring up, not with this crew. I still remember the first time I think I, f- I was... I was pretty young when I watched Amadeus for the first time and like the scene where he's doing like the backwards dirty talk to his girlfriend. I think that was the first time I was like 10 maybe and I was like, oh my God, they were like us. (laughs) Yeah. They were dirty too. In fact, more dirty. Yes. You could just say that shit in public. Amadeus was cool. (laughs) Back when you could just talk about graphic sex in public. You can't even hold a door for anybody anymore. It's not gingerbread (laughs) men, it's gingerbread people. Is it? I don't know. <laughs> my my fake NTPC old man character working on. Anyway. And then turns being like a sexy sub. She's like sitting on his lap and he's like, I'll spank you. And she's like, I wish you would. Like, do whatever you want to please me. Have she's your like, way with basically. me. Basically. And presumably they bone. And then they're going to have lunch with Byron. And mm-hmm. we get Stoltz tells us about the scandal. We learn about this backstory. Um, and then we learn a bit more about who these people are. Stoltz himself, of course, McFly, he's a, a poet, a fugitive, a subversive, and an atheist, as he is referred to. All these Girl things. boss, gatekeeper, I love it. <laughs> um, Dern plays a woman named Claire, uh, is stepsisters with the other woman, Mary. And Stoltz has eloped with both of them, presumably. And Mary is... Will this spoil it if I no, ask? No, no, I was she, about to get into who she these is people to, are. She is the writer of Frankenstein, correct? Correct. Okay, just check. Correct. So these people, these characters, we sort of unfold. We have oh. Mary Godwin, who um, later marries... Stoltz is Percy Bish Shelley, which is funny. Yeah, it is. <laughs> His middle a... name is Bish. Bish. <laughs> um, and we have Dern plays Claire Claremont, the coolest fucking name. Oh yeah, no, that is that is slick. That's a detective. Yeah, and they so Percy Shelley, I didn't know, was a also. Became one of the most iconic romantic poets, perhaps best known today for a poem called Ozymandias. Fans of Breaking Bad may be familiar, is the the name of the best episode of Breaking Bad. 
and what is not the last episode, but really the last episode. Wonderful episode. Thank you, Percy Bish, Shelley, for giving us that. I was trying to think of the name of the last episode, and for some reason my brain was like, back the blue, and I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Wrong? <laughs> baby blue. Baby blue. Yes. <laughs> back the baby blue. Oh my god. Um. So... I don't, I don't want to ask. Never mind. Keep going. I, I want to ask if a, a, something that happened historically is a plot point, but I feel like you're going to get to it and I don't want to like jump ahead. So yeah, well, let's continue. get into I'm the sorry. story and then talk about the kind of the real history of, yeah, of yeah, this summer. Yeah, of course. And so they, so Byron basically invites them to, um, oh, they, so they're having lunch. Stoltz is going on about rebellion, revolution, and anarchy. Blah, blah, blah. And then Byron tells them how cool opium is. <laughs> yeah. Which, Word. Yeah. Hell yeah, man. He's a lord. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> yeah. Smoking that peace pipe, baby. <laughs> Hell yeah, baby. Um, oh, since we mentioned anarchy, what I didn't know, Mary Shelley, do you know who her parents were? I know her mother was like a very revolutionary, like feminist author. I yes. don't know who her father is. Her mother, Mary Wollstonecraft, maybe the the originator of modern of what then was I believe first wave feminism. Mm-hmm. And her father was William Godwin, the father of anarchy, oh, one of the first okay. utopian Whoa. or utilitarians. Um, so it's like, and she wrote Frankenstein, and her husband. Gave us that Breaking Bad poem. Damn. What Hell a, of a family. What a family. My God. Hell of a family. <laughs> Byron says, this is one of my favorite, I will use this now. Um, he says, he's talking to Stoltz. He says, your friends account you a man of testicle. <laughs> <laughs> Which is well, so good. He is eloping with uh, two stepsisters. He is so, a hey. man of testicle. He is a man of great testicle. His, his prowess as a testicle is known throughout the land. Yes. And Byron... Byron's a dick. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's a lord. Of course he's a dick. He is such a prick. And so he's teasing Mary for being a feminist. And like, in like uh, a dismissive. So much has changed. You stupid woman. <laughs> and she says she just wants to control her life and her body. Co write your dumb monster book. And, but meanwhile, he's like hitting on her. I think this is what they call a Victorian neg. Yes. And he says, I've never had a very high opinion of women. But when I meet one superior to her own sex, and most of all our own, I worship her as much as I despise the rest. He says That's to Mary. almost a compliment. Almost. <laughs> it's close. <laughs> if you lower your standards really, really down there, that's a compliment. Yeah. And so he invites them to his villa for the summer, which is where our haunted summer truly takes place. <sighs> yes. He says fun things like, Walks into a room and says, come! Papa has surprises! Love that. <laughs> I'm gonna start using that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's a boat. They, they're out on the boat. And we have, we have our three, our trio, our Byron, and of course, Dr. Bill S. Preston Esquire. Yes, of course. And there's a guitar and, and the doctor says, he's like, I can... It's like, I've written a song. I think it quite good. Doubtful. Doubtful. <laughs> for, 
Byron responds, do shut up, John. (laughs) And he is very mean to this doctor. Aww. Guys. And he, like, he says to to Mary, he's like, you think me cruel, but I am his most generous and loving benefactor. So the implication is so he can continue to just say mean shit to him all the time. Yeah. Just just a quick interlude. Um, the drug dealer in Pulp Fiction is Eric Stoltz. Yeah. I knew he was in it, I just couldn't remember who. Anyway, continue. Fun fact, I played that character... In high school, for my roommate's film class, he had to do a scene, so we reenacted the OD that. scene. He was John Travolta. No, the buying drugs. Oh, okay. That I do like that. Cool. Anyway, yeah. Back to Victorian England, London. Yes. Excuse me. No, oh. France. France. Remember, we're in exile. Yes, we're in frog country. Thank you. Yes, it's where all the weird sex and drugs goes down. Uh, they argue about the nature of evil. It's all like, the whole thing is like having the Victorian passions, the romantic, they're so enthralled by discourse on philosophy and meaning, and also by sex and drugs. Can you blame them? It's all a very experiential movement. Um, Byron breaks out his opium, because hell yeah. I mean, why not? And... Mary's like, no, no, no. And Stoltz, oh, he's all in. Hell yeah, give me that pipe, baby. I'm gonna burn my lips on that sweet, Smoking sweet opium the pipe, pipe. And Byron busts out his creepy nuke painting. It is uh, an incubus. Of course, the male version of a succubus. Atop a naked woman in mm-hmm. bed. And he's asking them, like, what do you see? And the doctor says, like, I see this. Like, a very reasonable, like, this is what the painting shows. <laughs> it's like, you fucking idiot. <laughs> you stupid. <laughs> he is so mean to this I was going to say, it sounds like they just keep him around to constantly, like, belittle him as a commoner. And get the opium from him. Because oh, he's oh, the doctor. Well, yes, okay. Duh. <laughs> and he says, what you, and Byron says, what you are witnessing in this painting is a rape in return for unrequited love. And he says it like it's something he would do, which is fucked. Someone doesn't want to sleep with you, don't rape them. Good advice. Byron's a colossal prick. (laughs) This podcast officially endorses that advice. (laughs) I'm glad it took us 50 episodes to finally say it, but we do not endorse rape, and consent is good. We've all been asking for us to come on one side of this hot (laughs) topic. Finally, the Rolling Stones interview will drop tomorrow, along with the episode. (laughs) Um... So Dr. Bill leaves. It's like, I, I think I will retire for the night. And Good call. Byron goes up there and Bill is writing his suicide note and he has uh, a vial in his hand. And Byron takes the vial, gives it a little sniff for a glance. He's like, prussic acid. You fool. <laughs> he says, I cannot bear this anymore. I will not be incessant ridicule. Byron says... Killing yourself would have been classical, but not very agreeable. Which is such a fucking, like, you could do it, but, like, Come you'd on. be lame. <laughs> you'd suck even more. Lame move, bro. Come on. He's like, you're so cruel. He's like, let me make it up to you. And he comes close. And then Dern is outside. Dern, of course, in love with the Lord. And she sees the silhouettes of Byron and 
the doctor embracing one another and presumably fucking like rabbits because that's what everybody does in this movie. Good. Good for them. Um, so yeah, like, like bullies this man to near suicide <laughs> then sleeps with him. Hey. Yeah. It's, it's the 80s. We were all doing it. <laughs> and so Darren's upset by this. Oh my god. Uh, Mary... Is having a bit of a writer's block. She's trying to write, but can't really think of where to go. And she keeps seeing uh, visions of the demon from the painting, mm-hmm. the incubus. And that's just our little, like, here's Frankenstein kind of thing. And... <laughs> oh, here's just another <laughs> fucking piece of shit Byron line. You know, Shelley... Uh, he calls Percy Shelley. Not, mm-hmm. He's not referring to Mary. She's not Shelley yet. You know, Shelley, the Muslims have completely solved the problem of women. Oh, dear God. They lock them up. <laughs> Good for him. Yeah. So he takes them to a creepy cave. Yes. Because he's a lord and he wants to do creepy shit. We've got candles, sort of a seance vibe. And he busts out the opium. Let's do an experiment. You know, opium is actually the name of the doctor. (laughs) I've been trying to work that formula for the Frankenstein thing. I'm sorry, that was bad. I'll try again later. Go ahead. So experiment. Please don't. (laughs) Mary Shelley's Bram Stoker's Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. Throw this water at you. Ah, Motherfucker. (laughs) I'm already drenched. So his experiment is do opium in a creepy cave. Cool. I mean, hey. Hey, hell yeah. And once again, McFly is just all about it. And he just keeps, he's going, he's chiefing heavy on this pipe. It's one of those cool long opium pipes. Oh yeah, I mean, you can't smoke opium out of a small pipe. And uh, Stoltz sees like a demonic mary he, he sees mary but she's like a demon figure hell yeah and freaks out and that's sort of the the experiment it's just stoltz freaking out mary looks like a demon yeah then mary's all pissed at byron and the next day she says there's more to the metaphysics there's more than just metaphysics like you're trying to drive a wedge between me and percy Perhaps to make room for myself. Oh, <laughs> lordy, lordy laugh, lordy what a, laugh. What a dandy. And she's like, I want nothing to do with you. You're a prick. He's like, you really think me evil? I find you human. She says. He says, why do you fight so hard against it? She says, not it, you. <laughs> So nice. she's just like, no. And he says, I promise not to make love to you until you desire it. Because he is a gentleman. Well, that's almost nice. Almost. <laughs> that's sort of consent. Yeah. One, go, one half Lord. points Lord Byron. I'm sure he will lose it within the next two minutes. But <laughs> And so Mary and Stoltz are talking about it. And she's sort of, she's like, I'm not thrilled that you're just like, Doing lots of opium. I mean, fair. And he says he needs to face his fears and that the opium made him see that. He's like, opium's cool. You, like, see haunting visions and that's important for who you are. Uh, 
Okay. So listeners, we also endorse that. Yeah, um, any, uh, I guess, PCP, uh, you want to try bath salts, you mm-hmm. know, just feel, them feel yourself. Fun, yeah. fun meme drugs. Exactly. Crocodile, shit like that. <laughs> Crocodile. <laughs> Never yeah, heard that in a scaly. while. Yeah. <laughs> and he tells, he tells Mary, he's like, come on, do the opium. Join me in facing this fear. But it's, it's left at that. Dern, we learn. Yeah, what's she been up to screaming about ants in the background while all this horny stuff's happening? Yep, she is pregnant. Great. With Lord Byron's child. Good for her. He's gonna love this. They're not even related. This is good. (laughs) This is, is, he's grown. (laughs) This is growth for him. And he, he takes this news. She wants him to be a comforting father. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. Have you met him? <laughs> and so instead, he goes on this very fucked up rant about how men, like he starts with Darwinism and modern science and he gets into how soon men can conquer God and procreate all on their own using chemicals and electricity. What the? Using sex only for pleasure. There's a weird sexual eugenics. I mean, that definitely gives me big Frankenstein vibes. Yeah. Like that idea. But also, what the fuck, man? Yeah. He just said that out of nowhere. Yeah, like, when she was like, I'm having your kid. He's like, let me tell you about women. (laughs) (laughs) And Like your your uncle after his fifth pre-Thanksgiving dinner beer. (laughs) Let me tell you about women. Fucked an outlet, put a little chemical on him, man, baby. Don't I don't even need your dumb ants. <laughs> and Dern is crying, and Byron storms off. He's like, "Fuck, that. I'm not dealing with you." <laughs> he realized he could have just left the whole time. <laughs> and I'll give a little real history now. Yeah. So Claire Claremont father did in fact the real she, real person she fathered, she, fathered. <laughs> yes. she she had lord Bi- lord byron's baby and him in his writings his letters and stuff mm-hmm. he absolutely despised this woman he's just like writing to his pal he's like yeah she's just some broad i fucked she, in london just some and broad. now there's this kid and Mary has a nightmare where a monster storms into her bedroom and it's very, like, Frankenstein-y. Oh, uh, yeah. But then she wakes up. And Bill, Dr. Bill, gives us the Byron backstory, the bum foot. He's sort of using it as justification for why he's such a colossal prick. He's like, his mother used to make him, like, screwed a wooden box onto his foot to hide it and you'd have to walk around with like a bigger club foot made of yeah, wood. Yeah, that seems you just get a nice shoe made. <laughs> and drag it around. Yeah. And so the townsfolk called him Mrs. Byron's little devil. Love that. Yeah, and Byron's like keeps trying to like say to Mary he's like, look, I I used to have a heart. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, but then your mom put the box on your foot, man. And Byron says, he confronts Dern and he says, you can have my child or my name. You can't have both. He's like, I will raise the child. You give me that child. 
And she very reluctantly, very heartbrokenly agrees because she's like, it'll be the child of a lord and you can provide for it mm-hmm. in ways I can't. And then he's pissed at her. He's like, what? He's like, what? This stupid woman just giving up her child like that? And they're like, you made her do that. You forced her hand. So then we got uh, Byron walks in on Dr. Bill going through Byron's journals. He's like, what the hell do you think you're doing? And he says... Oh, uh, the publisher made me do it. He wants me to collect your writings and for your secrets. So he said he'd pay me. Byron's like, get the fuck out of here. You're done, Doc. Scram. Yeah, what's up, Doc? That's what he said when he came in the room. Yeah. That's where they got that line. Actually, I was... When you were mentioning the club foot, and I was thinking, like, I just thought of, like, it's like the elephant man, but his foot... And then I looked up, the guy that played Lord Byron in this also played the, the Elephant, Elephant Man, Man in a earlier pre-David Lynch Elephant yes, Man film. he won several awards Good for, him. for his portrayal, I believe in film and on the stage. Yeah. What, what, a, what a lovely cast of people that have played ho- horribly disabled people. Yes. <laughs> the Elephant Man. That's uh, like Rocky guy's... Dennis. <laughs> As Lord Dern played... IMDb. Ninjas. He does disfigured prick. Does great disfigured assholes. <laughs> Has Laura Dern played anyone with a disability? I don't think so. No. I've been trying to think if she was like in a wheelchair Oop, or something. Cancel her. Oop. She gone. Damn. Wow. Anyway. So. Sorry. Uh, the doctor leaves and... One of the servants comes and is like, oh, the doctor seems to have left his bag. Like, does anyone know where he's staying? And Mary's like, yes, he told me where he'd be. She's like, wait, isn't the smack in there? Yeah, hell yeah. And then Byron's like, yeah, we'll keep the bag. We'll, <laughs> we'll keep the bag. It's got, it's got the goods in it. And they all go to the cave and Mary offers to ex- run her own experiment on the Lord. Because it's like, you you can dish it out, but can you take it, Lordy? And so they all get, pro- or Byron gets properly zooted, and she's just like, more, more, keep going, keep going, fill her up, baby. Don't stop hitting <laughs> all that pipe. Tough. And then a monster appears in the cave, seeking Byron. And he like trembles and stumbles and runs down the cave and the monster follows and then kisses him on the nose and he falls back and like a bunch of rubble crumbles okay and he comes to in bed and he's like what what did you do mary what have you done to me and she's like no that was the doctor like the doctor made some cool mask and was the monster and was hiding in the cave and we planned this all out. Oh, cool. And he's like, and, oh, the doctor put a little Amanita mushroom in it, which I think will kill you? Or it's a hallucinogen. One or the other. Um, <laughs> yes with a no. Wait. Yes with an if, no with a but. Yeah, there you go. And Byron realizes, he's like, Mary, the, the terror, I realize it's inside of me. It's my own sadness. Aww. Yeah, and she's like, now you're getting it, so she fucks him. Oh, she's like, all right, I'll fuck you now. Fine, you felt good for her. Yeah. Girl boss, gatekeeper, we love it. (laughs) 
And, oh, by the way, and you might be wondering, like, wait, isn't she with Percy? Like, Percy's a, a modern dude, and he said, he's like, she does not need my permission to do anything. Good so this is not him. a betrayal of their relationship in any way. Um, they're cool like they're that. They're just young bohemians boning their way through this hot, hot summer. Exactly. Um, Dern's packing up, and... Stoltz tells Byron, he's like, you can't leave her like this. Like, go, you know, go talk to the woman who's having your child. And he's, like, trying to be nice, and she's like, you have the most annoying habit of telling people who love you to go away. But he says, like, our child will be beautiful, and it will all be because of you. Goodbye, my little fiend. Which he did refer to her in writing as a little fiend. (laughs) I don't think it was meant to be endearing. Yeah, that doesn't sound overly... Yeah. Positive. <laughs> yeah. And then he's like, the other two are packing, and Byron's saying goodbye to them, and Dern's just in the background reading a book or writing in a journal. Like, she's like, done. done I don't care about you people anymore. And the three leave. Before they do, Byron gives Stoltz his cool John Lennon glasses. Hell yeah. And as they get in the car, Stoltz puts them on. And, like, had, there's, like, this love for Byron, but, like, He's such an asshole. And then he, he puts on the glasses and says, Where we're going, we don't need lords. Yeah! yeah! Nice. Oh, God. Their carriage pulls away, and we get the, the epilogue in text scrolling on the screen. Uh, a year after the summer of 1816, Mary published the story of the monster, Frankenstein. Nice. And what actually, so what actually occurred here on the summer was that they all had a competition to see who could come up with the scariest story. That's what I was going to and ask like, about. I don't know why you need to do all this other shit when that's like a real thing that happened that's like super cool and makes her a super cool story. I mean, it is cool and like that's what I was going to ask about. But like, you know, up until literally right now when you told me all that, I thought they were literally just like there for a night and they did that and that was it. I didn't know all this like uh, weird no, this horny stuff like, surrounded. Like I didn't know it was yeah. a whole like few months they lived there. Like Yes. Yeah, I it never knew that. Fact, I just thought it was like an entire summer. You know, believe it or not, when I learned about this in grade school, they didn't mention all of the <laughs> horny, sex horny drugs. sex times and opium <laughs> out the wazoo. In and the epilogue continues in eighteen twenty one, Doctor Bill S. Preston Esquire Committed suicide in London well, by taking prussic acid. But, not very before he did, which this movie makes no mention of, his story, his spooky story that he wrote, was called The Vampire, with a Y, because that's cool. And just as Mary created the modern monster story, he created the modern vampire story. This is the first story that... Um, took kind of the vampire from folklore and made it a lord account, made it this sort of aristocratic thing. And there are like very obvious parallels between the vampiric lord and his story, and of course, Lord Byron, the piece of shit who nearly drove him to suicide. So, like, would this be one of the texts they pulled like Nosferatu from? 
Or would that would would that have been more just like from Bram Stoker? Yeah, I, well, I think I believe this was a short story, and okay. that like it it invented the genre. Oh, I gotcha, I gotcha. Because when when did Bram Stoker's Dracula is kind of the most iconic? Was that later text. or earlier? Later. I just don't know the dates. Okay. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. I'm with you now. Sorry, Here's the I very first one. Gotcha. Give me a lore. Like, that together. And... Nice. That's a genre now. Huh. A year later, Percy Bish. Drowned off a st- in a storm off the coast of Italy. Oh, yikes. Sucks. Big sucks. Two years later, Byron died of a fever. Well, but not before becoming like a, a Greek hero against the Ottomans and some like some wars in Turkey. Uh huh. He, yeah, he, sure. went, he went to like Armenia and Turkey and he lived this whole. I'd love to know more about Lord Byron and his exploits because he's. A fascinating man. Huh. And kind of a piece of shit, from what well, this movie has to say. You know. Uh, Mary died at the age of 53, and Claire, a spinster, at the age of 81. Not bad, Laura Dern. Not yeah. Bad. And she said, like, she had no bigger regret than, like, falling for Lord Byron and having a child. Yeah. I could see that. Damn, that's I probably gonna watch this this week because I have a lot of days off and I have done enough house stuff now that I can just relax and watch movies. There you go. Find Very it on exciting. YouTube. I think I'm getting a fire stick in the mail. It'll be there when I get home. So not if somebody steals it. Yep. Hopefully not. If you're listening, give me back my IKEA stuff so I can have double of everything. Wow. Maybe they're just a super fan and wanted... Maybe. They just want the same bedroom I have. Keep stalking him. Keep stealing his belongings. Well, I don't know about that. Make, make your your existence a shrine to to Nick himself. I mean, I'll take, I'll take a loyal follower. I don't know if I want a, that kind of... Become the president of his fan club. Okay, I'll take that. And then shoot him. I was gonna. No, I, that's what I want. I don't want like a. I don't want like a John Hinckley or a. a uh, was a Selena in particular. A um. Who was the uh? Guy that shot Lennon. He wasn't a super fan. Oh, he he. Well, uh, I don't know. Mark David Chapman. Yeah, I don't know. I I just either way. Don't want that. I don't want to get shot by a fan. I want to get <laughs> shot by a stranger. Think about it. Yeah. Mull it over. We'll see. Hey, whatever whatever happens happens. Yeah. Could have tried to get not shot, but, you know. It'll we, be great for the numbers. It'll be, it really will. My, I want this podcast mentioned in my obituary. Whoever's <laughs> listening, take that down. The, the analytics department has been hounding us. We gotta get the numbers. Yeah, we either, one of us either needs to die or have a traumatic life event or a traumatically good life event. Yeah. Committed winning the lottery yes <laughs> nick go sink the battleship in camden you got it you got it <laughs> we need the numbers <laughs> light the ikea on fire i don't know something there's so much pine that place would go up like a powder keg <laughs> so we want to want to dig between the durns real quick yeah i got like two things it's been a it's been a b- busy week i haven't Hit me. had much time give um, me that durn smack so I recently rewatched um, both the original Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory and the new Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And I was talking with a friend about, like, the new one. How Johnny Depp played Willy Wonka. And we were like, you know, he did okay with what he had. But we were talking about, like, if... 
at some point after the original one to now, like, who would be, like, the, like, big, big, who would be the Gene Wilder? Who would actually play him if it wasn't Johnny Depp? And we kind of, we muddled through a few names, and we kind of landed on a, like, Mrs. Doubtfire-era Robin Williams. So sorry. No, you're fine. Yes, come on. I know I was... I left my phone. I know I was literally on a call for the first five minutes of this podcast, but that is unexcused. <laughs> but we were talking about it, and I, I think that'd be so interesting. Because I feel like he has, like, that good, like, powerful comedic energy, but also, like, at the end of, like, Willy Wonka, where he, like, he's reading the contract, and he's very strict, and he's like... Etc. Etc. You you broke the contract. You broke the rules. You will get nothing. Like I feel like Robin Williams could do that kind of thing, and the other stuff really well. See, I feel like he, but he can't capture the like the almost aristocratic, the like the so. lordy, the. But I like I recently watched Toys, and I feel like everyone. that is a very similar to Willy Wonka kind of role. Okay, I've not like, seen Toys. It's it's very good. I mean it's it's a very, it's like a very um surrealist a lot of surreal scenes and stuff and like a toy factory that runs in such like a weird way uh my pick or at least off the top oh, yes, of my head please. would be christoph waltz Ooh, okay but it might be too much like yeah, his character that... in inglorious bastards but like his like ability to be evil and hilarious and cheerful and proper and although intimidating complete other direction like if they remade it this year my absolute hands down pick would be kate mckinnon yeah i want lady willy wonka i want it to be kate mckinnon i don't think she has the range i think she does i think it'd be good i want to see it just just make it for me we don't have to release it yet just make the whole movie for me and i'll see how it is and then we'll go from there i don't know either that they either need a Lady Willy Wonka or they need Charlie to be a girl. I think that would be a nice, like, new thing to, like, change it up a little bit and make it different. Yes. Because, you know. Because remember, the only thing we can change about society is representation. Exactly. Exactly. <sighs> I love Kate McKinnon. I don't know if she could do it. Yeah, I know. I guess I've only seen her, you know, a, a few short movies and skits. So I don't know if she could, like, do it. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, they're making a prequel now with, um... Timothy Shalalala, Shamalala. Willy Wonka. Yes, they're making. What's the prequel? Kids poor. No, Is it's it Elf- Oliver it's, Twist. Shut up! It's Willy Wonka's prequel, not oh, Charlie. I don't think Charlie's involved. I'm at all. an idiot. No, I think it's going to be like the coming up story, which is weird because, like in the in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, the 2005 one, there is a backstory that his father was a dentist and he made the candy factory despite him and so on and so forth. Oh. But like, I, so I don't know if they're going to do that or whole new story i think they should do a new story because obviously it'd be weird to make a movie out of a weird like c plot in a 2005 tim burton movie but you know they've done it before <laughs> it's happened it's fine okay enough of that annie watched annie hall no get uh, your gun annie no just annie annie are you okay no but i watched it and um i genuinely forgot how much presence one a certain member of the house staff has in this film. His name is Punjab. He is a very tall, I'm going to say Indian man. I believe he's from Punjab. Oh, okay. I did not know. Um, he wears a turban and he is a he is a literal magic mystic man. Like he can move things with his mind and heal things just by waving his hands over legs and stuff. And I forgot that he is in this movie so much. 
Like, literally, so much. It's a lot of food. And he's not in the stage musical at all. And I'm so confused why they thought they needed to work in a a, a ethnic mystic to, like, I don't know, fill in seven minutes of screen time. Like, I feel like I just, I haven't watched the original Annie in so long, and I was just like, what is this? Why is he here? I mean, he's, like, a very nice, helpful character, but, like, he, there, for no reason he needs to be magic. And I feel like they just needed some, like, weird magic thing to, like, make kids pay more attention. Well, I will say... Yes, go on. Uh, in my childhood, m- among me and my sisters, Punjab was a beloved I mean, character. he is like, good, but, we like... We had... We made... We called them Punjab <laughs> jokes, and I'm pretty sure they were just... You say a joke, but the punchline is Punjab. Like, we, he became a part of our lives. So that was your get her done. <laughs> yes. Precisely. Yeah, Punjab. Six-year-old Max. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like, it's not bad. It's just odd. I forgot how much he is in the movie. Yes. And there's a certain dance number where, like, there is an Asian member of house staff, and there's a, he is doing a dance, and there's a... A musical flourish of like a basically the ba da ba da ba 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 ba, and then Punjab does a little dance, and there's like a very like Indian satari flourish, and I was like, "This is insane! Like <laughs> this is bananas." Uh, but yeah, that's all. Oh, I was also Do in you know? a stage production of Annie. Really? I was Drake and the dog catcher. Thank you. Do you know? I forget what that little flourish is called. It has a name. But do you know which um, indie hit song from the 2000 aughts is just the refrain is a slowed down version of that? And I just learned this. I don't know. I couldn't do it off the top of my head. Young folks. Like Peter Bjorn and John. I'm, it was a big. Oh, I'm sure I would know it if I heard it, but like, I'm. It's just that you'll never okay. hear it the same way oh, again. Good. I'm interested. I will look into this after. Anyway, that's Moderns. Simple, easy, breezy cover girl. Yeah. The fabric of our lives. It's cotton. God, don't you just love those ad campaigns that are like beef? It's what's for dinner. Milk, drink it. Cotton, wear it. It's just like, <laughs> so like utilitarian. Like, I do. Uh, like right up the highway from my parents' house, there would always be at least one billboard on the, like the woodsy highway that was just like cotton, the fabric of our lives. That's like, it. Are people not buying cotton? What the fuck? Like, <laughs> or, wearing are a you shirt. Ever inspired? You're like, no. you see the billboard, you're like, I could use yeah. more cotton wear. I will eat beef for dinner. Thanks, billboard. <laughs> like, <laughs> It's like Coca-Cola. You don't need to advertise it anymore. It's fine. Everyone knows. There was a recent... <laughs> the onion, word's out. <laughs> onion article that was something to the effect of, like, billboard advertising hospital convinces <laughs> person to go to emergency room or something. That, that reminds me, on our way to Delaware, there were billboards for billboard installing jobs, yes. and we were like, I wonder if the people installing these were like, oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> Shit, man. Goddamn scabs. <laughs> oh, billboard humor. That's, that, the next 50 episodes, all billboard humor. Never gets old. Never gets old. You That's know, our rebrand. It really is. Billboards and Ruth's Chris Steakhouse jokes. 
<laughs> I want to die. <laughs> Laura Dern's Ruth's Chris. Laura Dern's Ruth's Chris. Stop it. <laughs> Woo! That's our shirt. <laughs> Not. I'm writing that down. I'm at least making two. Every title of every episode hereafter will be some play on Ruth's Christmas. That's a good bit, though. <laughs> Listeners, tell Nick it's not a good bit. Please, for the love of God. Okay, please, to stop me from this madness, tell me what's between your turns. Well, I watched a couple wonderful comedy specials. It's so hard to like do tell talk about a comedy special because I'm not gonna like rehash jokes or anything. Yeah, I don't do them as well. Uh, but one that's getting a lot of acclaim. Wonderful. If you haven't seen it yet, Bo Burnham's Inside. I from the time it came out, I've literally just been so busy and stressed. But like now this week, I'm definitely going to watch do it. Do it. It is. For those that don't know, Bo Burnham started as a YouTube star as, like, a 16-year-old, like, a kid. Easily, yeah. And it, this special is not just comedy, it's musical comedy, but also just haunting weird musical stuff. Okay. And it's sort of him losing his mind in quarantine, but the subjects, the themes, are largely about who we are, who we are online. And like to know his experience with that gives him a very particular window into it. And he's also fucking brilliant. Um, can't recommend it enough. Loved it. And the other special I watched, which is from a few years ago, but I wanted to give him a shout out because he's lesser known, but one of my absolute favorite comedians. And that's Rory Scovel. Uh, is, that, is that the three mics one? It, no, it's um, <laughs> Rory Scovel does stand up for the first time. Oh, okay. Which is a great name for a comedy special. Uh, uh, can't recommend him enough. He is unlike anyone I know. He's almost like Eric Andre if Eric Andre weren't like going for shock factor every step of the way. He's sort of alt comedy, but brilliant and funny and different. And. In a way that I think is accessible. I think like if any rando went to a Rory Scovel show thinking they were getting just like a regular old comic, they wouldn't hate him. He runs in the same circles as one of my favorite comedians, Kyle Kinane. I, I listen to his Kyle show Kinane religiously, but yeah, they're like very like in the same kind of yeah. realm. Um, I once saw Rory Scovel at a diner, and I was like, I'm nice. going to tell him that I'm a fan, and I didn't, Aww, I was scared. sure you would have liked that. But Rory, I know you're listening. Rory. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. That shit's catching. <laughs> it's from the Pete, the Pete Davidson, Pete Davidson bit. Yeah, Captain no, Hannah. just... Oh, did we ever tell the listeners I gave you a doll made up? Uh, no, we probably... I tried to black it, block nope. it out of my mind. Uh, well, it just lives in your subconscious. Well, man. we were in a, in a, in a balmy double-wide trailer in, in, in fucking Blue Balls, Delaware, <laughs> a few miles from the beach, and we had just gotten there, and Max pulls out a brown paper bag, and I say, what could be in there? It was a birthday present. And I was like, ooh, could it be something fun? And then instead of something fun... It was a vintage knitted doll's dress full of his hair. He made a hair doll. It is haunting. 
He said he cleaned the hair. I don't fully believe him. I will I post do. a picture on the Instagram because it will ruin your day. <laughs> I My life has gone dramatically downhill ever since I've received that doll. I'm convinced it's cursed. And, listeners, if you give me $1,000, you can have one of your very own. You could probably start an OnlyFans for this. My coworker was upset at me for doing this because she said hair has power and I've given you my power. Uh, yes. I mean, I'm going to lock it in a glass case. Genuinely. I don't. It's like Annabelle. I need to, I'm going to have a, I'm going to have a priest come in once a month to bless it. <laughs> Will it go on the curio cabinet? It very well might. Ooh. Actually, yes, I do. I don't, I've never had all of my stuff in one spot before, so I don't know how much free space I'm going to have in this, this cabinet if I ever get it. I'm very excited for your curio cabinet I have a little thing I'm working on with some grave dirt from H.H. H. Holmes's grave. Ooh. Actually, pretty close to my house in West Philly. Oh, he's here? Oh, yeah. He was he was caught in Philly. He was held in the jail, which is now the South Philly um, Acme. And he was also executed there, I believe. And he's buried out in West Philly in a something Holy Cross Cemetery. It's oh. in an unmarked... A, a, there's a stone, but it is unmarked. Yeah. If our listeners don't know, H.H. H. Holmes, if you like serial killers... Oh, well, he, you probably he's the one. Yeah. If, if you like serial killers, he's, uh, he's up there. If you like... Torture hotels with secret rooms. Ugh, reminds me of my honeymoon. Ferris wheels. Ah, uh, Ferris Bueller. Ferris Bueller. Go read um, Devil in the White City by Eric Larson. God, can you imagine if they made H. H. if they made a film, film adaptation of H.H. H. Holmes's life and it was Matthew Broderick as him? I would, I, I would devour now. that. <laughs> yeah. Give it to us, Hollywood. For, for no other reason than that name association, but I love that. Like him as an older man, just being fucking AJ Holmes. Give him a mustache. Great. Yeah, he lo- he does dramatic work. Yeah, he's a great man. He killed someone once. Yeah, he's he killed someone, and he's married to that hot lady from uh, Sex and the City. Kim Cattrall. Yes, I believe that is correct. Maybe I don't know. Who I believe <sighs> is he? I don't know. Oh no, people mind. are married. So it goes. People be married. Oh, I'm also playing the greatest video game ever made for the first time in about 20 years, Diablo 2, Lord of Destruction, and I'm pretty pumped. My sorceress just got to level 84. Yo. I found an arachnid's mesh. That's a great That's age. fire. Got my scalders. Cool. It's just yeah. whistles and clicks to me, but I'm proud. Of it. I'm happy for dropping it. Dropping blizzards, doing Mephisto I've runs. I've been to Dairy Queen. Yep. Nice. Exactly. Listeners in the know, they get it. They get it. And he bet me I couldn't eat a 50-pound bag of potatoes. Long story short, I was declared legally dead. Oh, hi there, listeners. Sorry, I was just finishing up a little private story while uh, we were taking a bathroom break there. Alrighty. Are we going to talk about my movie for two minutes? As long as you need. Okay, so... um. As I'm sure you have all gathered by my constant um, complaining, I've been very busy, and I've also seen the movie that I was assigned several times. I've read the book twice, so I decided not to watch it because, you know, it's been a while since I've flaked on a movie. I felt it would be in tradition of the 50th episode to do it again. (laughs) Um, The Fault in Our Stars was my movie. It is a movie based on a smash hit book by John uh, Lennon. Green. John Green. Thank you. John Waters? God. John Waters, The Fault in Our Stars, would be fucking bonkers. So anyway, uh, John Green wrote this book about a real-life cancer um, victim that he knew, a girl, lady, person. Girl, lady, person. 
Hi, my name's Girl Lady Person. And I want to buy a car. I don't, never mind. I'm trying to do more bits. That's going to be my next, the next 50 episodes, more characters and bits. So basically the plot is, uh, we have our main character, Hazel Grace Lancaster. She's a teenager with cancer. Bummer. Her mom is played by Laura Dern. Uh, you know, pr- probably tough being the mom of a cancer teen. And she thinks her daughter's depressed. Fair. So she sends her to like a group at like a local community center. And there she meets some other cancer teens, including... Ansel Elgort. Gus, yes. His name is Gus. And, you know, they kind of like, they like, you know, they're flirty. They're flirty. They're horny. They're horny teens with cancer, so they don't have much time. And they get to be friends. They like, they have mutual interest in a specific book called An Imperial Affliction. Real book? Uh, No. It was fictionally written by a fictional man named Peter Van Houten, who in this film is played by none other than Willem Dafoe. <gasps> Another Willem Dafoe, Laura Dern joint. Yes. Um, this film was filmed in Pittsburgh, by the way. But we're going to Amster- Amsterdam soon. So, um, they want to go to Amsterdam and meet the author and ask him questions about the book that they have. But, um, you know, how are they going to get there? They're teenagers. Um, Gus <laughs> uses his make-a-wish wish, which is a Thing you can you can just use it on anything apparently kind of yeah yeah so he gets plane tickets and they go um laura dern comes with them on the plane um but laura, uh, laura dern did not actually go to amsterdam neither did willem dafoe they those scenes were all filmed in pittsburgh beautiful beautiful sunny pittsburgh pennsylvania not a five-hour drive from where we sit right now and basically they go they have, like, a lovely dinner. It's so romantic. They're in Amsterdam. And then it's, like, on the guy. Like, he paid for it. And then they get there, and they realize that he's just, like, a drunk asshole. And the per- his personal assistant is, like, the nice person who was talking to them through email and, like, arranged all this stuff for them. And so, you know, he's kind of, like, a louse. And so she gives them, like, tickets to do different stuff around the city. She's like, so sorry. He's a terrible man. So they go to the Anne Frank house, which they don't. Uh, <laughs> believe it or not, the Anne Frank house would not, not allow them to film. Friend. So they had to build a replica I guess, in Amsterdam, and that's where they filmed. Wow. And uh, in the movie, I don't think it's as dramatic as it is in the book. In the book, like, it's this struggle because she has, you know, lung cancer and she can't really exert herself very much. And she, like, they climb to the top stair and they finally get to the attic and they kiss there for the first time. In the movie, I mean, they do the same thing. At the Anne Frank house? Yes. That's where they kiss. Yes, which I get why the Anne Frank house declined there. Their Has wish. someone made that meme with the pointy fingers where it's like, what if we kissed? What oh if we kissed at the end, Frank? God, I'm sure there is a Tumblr page devoted to um, to the Fault in Our Stars memes. <laughs> um, and based, so they're in Amsterdam and Gus says, uh, uh, so my can't, he also has a fake leg. He lost his leg to cancer. He has an artificial leg. It doesn't come up much. A little bit. Um, and he, find, he says at the last, their last night there, he says, I have cancer again. It's spread. I'm going to die. And they get back, um, you know, they're both pretty bummed, but they're hopeful that something will happen. Good. And then Gus has a pre-funeral, um, which I think is a fun idea. So yeah, he has, like, his friends... Terminal illness. Yeah, his friends come, they, like, read all their eulogies and stuff. I don't want to miss the party. Yeah, exactly. I know. And he has, like, there's this, there's this plot point where he has, like, his funeral suit that they bought for him when he first had cancer and then he didn't end up needing it, but now, obviously, he's wearing it and needs it shortly is it too small no i mean he he had cancer when he was probably 15 16 and he's now 17 18 dying again um he also does this weird is this very like teen 
teen romantic fiction thing where he keeps a cigarette behind his ear and his thing is he doesn't smoke it but it's like you put the killing thing between your teeth but you don't give it the power to kill you i don't know it's john green um <laughs> so he dies and there's a funeral it's very sad and uh Wait, he gets you can't have both what a pre-funeral and oh a... well, yeah no he dies i mean he has a pre-funeral so his friends can come and they can see yeah, each other but, again like, do they skip out on the funeral no there's a real funeral so we're at the funeral and then uh who shows up but willem dafoe and at there is this um he's kind of a dick but something better happens so he shows up and in the i don't remember if he says it in the film but in the book like the the main quote that i actually enjoy is he basically they're at the funeral and it's over they're all kind of walking away and hazel walks up to him and they talk for a few minutes and the first thing he says is like something along the lines of like well it was 450 dollars for an inter- international flight with unlimited drinks so the and he's basically he basically says like so the way i was drinking i broke even and it was, he it's a very it's a longer quote but it's very funny and very like you know sad alcoholic author and then he kind of he says that and then he reveals like i based the character in the book that you love off of my daughter who died of leukemia a while ago and then he gives her a piece of paper but he's still kind of being a dick so she like you know takes and like throws in her pocket she like he's gonna throw it away and then she looks at it and realizes that um it is from gus and he was let me just double check this he had asked um this author to help him write the eulogy for hazel in case she had died before him so it was like a very touching thing and he gives there's a letter he basically gives her a letter that is for her but was from passed through van houten something like that and he professes his love and the letter concludes with okay hazel grace question mark and then she says okay and like the big the fall in our stars like thing that's on like t-shirts and shit is like okay question mark okay has to say like it's that instead of i love you Uh, and that's the movie pretty much you know yeah sad cancer stuff um who plays their support group leader i'm wondering support group oh was Was that it a comedian was oh fuck yeah it was um fucking chris gethard right nope oh right ballpark ballpark who who was it? I'm sorry. Biggs. Oh, Mike Birbiglia. Okay. Damn. I wish I would have remembered that or watched enough of this movie again, too. God, I met Mike Birbiglia semi-recently. Great man. Was he awake? Yeah. No, he was awake that time. Uh, we riffed about the naked cowboy and it was very fun. I thought about it the other night and I was like, that was good. Is one of your questions you're going to ask me how many times has Nick shared that on this podcast? Shut up. It was, I'm going to do it again. It was really because we were talking. Like, my mom was trying to take a picture of us, and me and him were just talking. And I was like, I saw The Naked Cowboy today, and your show was better. And he said, you know, it's kind of a ripoff. He's not even naked. <laughs> it was a bit. He's so good. We did a funny. Um, so, yeah, that's the movie. It's a movie. Um, it's a little sad, a little happy. That's a John Green joint. Um, we will see... The, the main character, the actress, Shailene Woodley, with Dern again when we do Big Little Lies. Very good, very good. I love that. Also in this movie is Nat Wolf from the Naked Brothers Band and that... Uh, Are they naked? No, no, no. Also a ripoff. But okay. they were also children, so, you know, probably would be less tasteful for them to be naked than the cowboy. Is their name Naked? 
Pardon? Are they, is that their last name? No, no, no. It. I don't Why really... Why is there a I, Nickelodeon television series called The Naked Brothers Band? I couldn't tell you. Why? The Naked Brothers Band. Development. Film festival. I don't really know. I don't know. It was a weird, like, you know, Disney factory band. It was like the Monkees, but in 2007. Is he a piece of shit like, uh... Like Drake from Drake and Josh? No. Oh, Drake really is a piece of is shit. Is he going to prison? Uh, probably. Um, but yeah, no, he's just a guy. He's in movies now. He was recently in um, that uh, movie with the little girl getting her head sloughed off by, by a car, I think. That's Maybe not. I don't know. He's in movies. He does stuff. He's cool, I guess. It's, whatever. Whatever, Nat Wolf. He's blind in this movie. <laughs> nerd does he also have cancer uh yes i believe he had some sort of optical nerve cancer to take his eyes out so there's like a weird b story of him it's not as important as the main two and laura dern obviously okay so on to our fun trivia game bring it okay so i'm just gonna i'll just gonna ask you some questions about the numbers see what you think here um 762 that's that's good. You remember that, and that's good. Was that the actual number? Seven sixty-two. Yeah. Wow. Mind freak. You freaked my mind. <laughs> what do you think our most downloaded episode is? How many downloads? Forty-three. Jurassic Park. No, it is our first episode. Happy birthday, Miss Dern. Oh, that makes sense. Which yeah, I get it. Most people it's start all there. From yeah, there. it really is. What do you think our least is? It is a tie of seven between two episodes. <laughs> they all have one. Oh, seven. No, downloads. so seven. It, it's so good. One of them is kind of confusing, but I'll let you. I have no idea. Okay, the first one is a good pecker for a boy his age. All that right. Was, uh, you know, fair for the name. And the other one is the part one of our Christmas special, but part two had ten downloads, so I don't know what that's about. What is it with you people? Come on. Who, who was like, nah, fuck it. I want part two. <laughs> Jump right to the meat. Get to the good stuff. What do you think our longest gap between episodes was? In number of days. 22. 21. And we did it four times. <laughs> I kept counting and I was like, again, again, again? Wow. Four times. We're, we we're, gotta break that Rick. Oh, we will. Don't worry, man. One of us is gonna travel. It'll work. Um, what do you think day of week and time of day is our most... People download our show the most. This one I just found out today. Wednesday mornings. Nah, Monday night. Monday 8 p.m. was our most consistent download time. Wow. So hey, Monday 8 p.m. folks, looking out. Happy Monday, y'all. You made it through most of the day. Now you get to wind down with a little Max yeah, and little, Nick. If we if we release it on Monday morning like we you do get sometimes. To forget about your sad life for yeah. an hour. Enjoy and this. Minutes. Enjoy this. This flavorful romp through Laura Dern's filmography and others. Um, what do you think our most popular month has been since we began? It's like... I basically March. just... <laughs> March of what year? Last year. Wrong. <laughs> it's August 2020. Oh, We yeah. had 94 downloads that month. Yeah, we were really firing on all cylinders. We were. I think that was pretty in... Oh, we were Zooming. Yeah, because, you know, we had nothing else to do. So we would do it every week like clockwork. We'd release them on time. (laughs) Remember those days? No. Me neither. Blackout. 
Alrighty, and I guess uh, we've been downloaded in how many countries do you think? Twelve. Seven. Alright. <laughs> yeah, you know, seven, seven. Do we have Bulgaria? We do not. What do you... Mm-hmm. I have our top five written down here. Obviously, number... United one. States. Yes. Canada. No, Canada's number three. Number two is Norway, and that is specifically Norway. because of my one friend that lives in Norway. Shout out to you, Bronte. Thank you for listening. When you eventually get to Thank this episode. Thank you to presumably our one Canadian listener. Uh, nine episodes in Canada. Next... What do you think? Pakistan. Russia. Oh. Three downloads in Russia for the last 50 episodes. And pretty much all the others below that are two or one. The next one listed is Indonesia with two. Yeah. Indo-Dern. Shout out to our Dern heads in Jakarta. Uh, and that, you know, that's the numbers, baby. We did it. 50. Can we quit now? <laughs> Can we do nope. anything else? <laughs> Please, dear nope, God. Never. Uh, let's do a Willem Dafoe podcast. No, much Dafoe about nothing. Oh, I'd love to just talk shit on Boondock Saints. Willem Dafoe about nothing. Um, Yeah, we got to think of the title before we. Yeah, you're right. Um, Anything else? That's how this works. Don't count your Don't count your Willems before they Dafoe. Nah, that's a little long. Uh, Should we just end here and I'll kick you out of my house? Yeah, it's fine. Uh, Do you want to know what we're doing next week? I'd love to. I will be watching. We don't live here anymore didn't really do much background i know benicio del toro no 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 russell crowe i think it's benicio del toro's in it laura dern obviously it's a movie and you will be watching oh buddy boy you will be watching inland empire finally all right the probably last installment of david lynch except for the season three of twin i think this is rigged uh yeah it probably is but i don't know man all right, well, it can't be worse than the deleted scenes were without context. I really, I hope it's better. If it's worse, that, that'll that take some doing. But yeah, um, that's what we have on the docket for it's like eight next hours week, long, isn't it? Asterix. I don't know. I really did no research on these. I kind of just rolled with the punches. Oh, Mark Ruffalo, excuse me, not Benicio Del Toro in my film. Inland Empire is a movie by David Lynch. Yep, 180 minutes. Three hours and 17 minutes. Well, it might be a couple weeks before I do this. Yeah, ooh, looks like there's some fun stop-motion rabbit shit in this movie. Yeah, remember the creepy rabbits? Yeah, it's been a while, but... Ooh, Jeremy Irons. Do you want to switch? No. We can switch. It's 50. We can treat ourselves. Okay, fine. I'll watch Inland Empire. I'll ruin, I'll soil my brain with no, this. No, I have to. You do. I mean, it's kind of, Do you just want to do... Oh, Mary Steenburgen's in it. All you, right. Do you just want to do Inland Empire? Like, we could both watch it and talk about it? Sure. Cool. I mean, at least then we both suffer together. Yeah. I'll, it'll. It's going to kill me, but I can bump We Don't Live Here Anymore back to something else. You don't even know what it is. <laughs> I know. That was the what joke. It's really good. Okay, so next All week we're right. going to talk exclusively about Inland Empire... And, uh, yeah, we're gonna fucking kill it, man. Keep on listening. Keep on We do this for you. We sure do, don't we? But before next episode, also watch Inland Empire. Yeah, why not? Suffer with us. We're in it together. We're all in this together. My God, keep on scratching. As Gus, Pennsylvania's second most famous groundhog, is apt to say (laughs) in his Pennsylvania lottery commercials. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye.